fade. Heavenly Father, as we gather here this morning, we come as little children. But we come as your children who have been made that way through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray today that as we look at your word, we consider who Jesus is, that he will become even more real in our lives. And then, Father, embolden us to share that witness of Jesus with others around us, for it's in his mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Well, the question for today is, who is Jesus? And if you don't know the answer, maybe you picked a good day. I'm going to start by telling you what some other people have said about him. If you go to the next screen already, uh, on a late night talk show a number of years ago, Michael J. Fox, you probably recognize that face, was asked a very special question. The question is, if you could meet anybody in all of history, who would it be? And Michael J. Fox said, well, the answer is Jesus. And this is what he said. It all comes down to him. He is an amazing character. Whether you believe exactly what the Bible says about him or not, you cannot deny that he has had a positive impact on history. Well, friends, there is no question that Jesus of Nazareth is the most influential person ever to have lived on this planet. Each week, hundreds of millions of people gather together in his name to worship him all over this world. Every day, hundreds of millions of people receive medical treatment. They receive food and clothing and education and companionship and daycare and shelter. All of those good things done in the name of Jesus Christ in order to continue his legacy of compassion. More good has been done in the name of Jesus than any other name. Now, unfortunately, there have also been some bad things that have been done in his name as well. I'm not going to dwell on that this morning. How are those who are sincerely committed to following Jesus and his teachings and living by his example are helping change the world? Now, I want you to go to the next screen. Some of you may remember a movie that came out a number of years ago put out by Monty Python. It was called The Life of Brian. It was supposed to be a parody of the life of Jesus. In other words, they were going to make fun of Jesus. Many people, myself included before it came out, thought this is going to be really sacrilegious. Now, Eric Idle, who was the writer and one of the stars of the film, said that they began work on the movie. In order to do that, they read through the Gospels. They read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he said, our original intention was to satirize or make fun of Jesus. He said, however, when they read the teachings of Jesus from the Bible, their attitude changed. He said, we discovered he made a lot of sense. He had many good things to say. We wanted to make a parody of what religious people have done in his name, but we didn't want to make fun of him. We think he's an all right guy. I would suggest to you that you could stop just about any person on the street, the typical non-church person, and ask them, what is your opinion of Jesus? And they would probably tell you that he was a pretty good guy, that he was a pretty good teacher. I mean, very few people today actually have much bad to say about Jesus. I can remember even the Doobie Brothers had a number one hit a few years ago called Jesus is Just All Right. But as you look at all of the books that have ever been written about Jesus, you're going to notice that everyone kind of puts their own unique spin on Jesus. Depending upon who you read, and believe me, we've got, you can go to Baptist bookstore, find all kinds of books about Jesus. You go out to Lifeway, find all kinds of books about Jesus. 
Then you go to Books A Million, find all kinds of books about Jesus, and they all have their own unique little spin. It's kind of amazing. Depending upon who you read, Jesus was either a socialist, a communist, a political conservative, a positive thinker, a con artist, a business executive, a self-help guru, a hippie, a feminist, a magician, a mystic, a revolutionary, a pacifist, or a motivational speaker, or a salesman, and the list goes on and on. Those are just a few I copied down walking through the bookstore this last week. So I think that begs the question this morning, what is Jesus really like? I mean, who is this guy, Jesus? Well, obviously, we're going to learn most of everything we know about Jesus from the Bible. And the very first thing we know about him is something that nearly everyone in the world agrees on. And you see it up there. He is the greatest teacher who ever lived. But we can't stop there. We're not going to stop there. But let me just talk about this for a moment. He's the greatest teacher who ever lived. If you were to compile all of the wisdom of all of the wisdom of the ages into one volume, one book, the greatest teachings of the greatest teachers throughout history, the teachings of Jesus would dominate that volume. He was simply the greatest teacher this world has ever known. His views on ethics and spirituality and morality have shaped the way this world thinks. Let me give you a couple examples. There's a man by the name of Trik Nhat Han. He's a Buddhist monk who's been living in exile in France for about 25 years. He wrote a book that's called Living Buddha, Living Christ. And he offers a comparison between Buddha and Jesus. Now, you've got to understand that Han is not a Christian, And I know when I read that book, I did not agree with many of his conclusions. But in referencing the teachings of Jesus, he made some very interesting comments. First of all, he said that Jesus was an obstacle to him even before he considered his teachings because of the negative ideas he had about Christians and Christianity having grown up in Vietnam. He said this was the result of some political shenanigans of so-called Christians whose idea of ministry was murdering Buddhists and desecrating their shrines. He also admitted that he had a personal prejudice against Jesus simply because Jesus only taught, what, three years, and the Buddha taught 45 years. Because of this, he thought, well, the Buddha was probably so much greater because he taught so much longer. But his opinion changed when he actually examined the teachings of Jesus for himself. He could not deny that Jesus was a great teacher. And this Buddhist monk, even though he is not a Christian yet, still recognizes the greatness of Jesus as a teacher. Let me give you another example from history. Gandhi was not a Christian either, but he patterned his entire life on the teachings of Jesus. In fact, he kind of followed the Sermon on the Mount, using it to help him lead his life. And his nonviolent approach to life helped him helped Britain gain indep- or India gain independence from Britain. Gandhi understood the power of Jesus' teachings. This is what Gandhi had to say. He said, you Christians have in your keeping a document with enough dynamite in it to blow the whole of civilization to, civilization to bits, to turn society upside down, and to bring peace to this war-torn world, but you read it as if it were just good literature and nothing else. That's kind of a stinging rebuke from somebody who's not a Christian who says, this Bible, we just look upon it as a good book and nothing else. 
Well, there's no doubt that Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. At one point in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees had actually sent the temple guards to go and arrest Jesus. When they came back, they didn't have Jesus with them. And the Pharisees uh, and the chief priests said, why didn't you arrest Jesus? And their answer was, no one ever spoke the way this man spoke. I mean, they were so enthralled with his teaching, they couldn't even arrest him. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus visited the town of Capernaum, and he began teaching in the temple. And in Luke chapter 4, it says, they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. It's a great teacher. Jesus even talked about his own teaching when he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He also said, these words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Anyone who keeps my words will never see death. Now in the writer Hebrews, the words that Shirley read to you before emphasize that Jesus is the ultimate teacher. He's the teacher of the year forever. He's God's final messenger to us. You want to know anything, look to Jesus. That's what Hebrews is saying. In verses 1 and 2 it says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in many times in various ways, but in these last days, and you and I are in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Oh, I want to know what God is like. Look to Jesus. What about the Holy Spirit? Look to Jesus. I want to know how to act in this situation. Look to Jesus. You don't need to look anywhere else but Jesus, God's final word. All you need to know about having a relationship with God and living the Christian life, you learn from Jesus. There's nothing anyone can do to make any of his teachings any better. I mean, you cannot improve on the statement, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, you cannot improve on the power and the simplicity of the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, as a preacher, as a pastor, it's not my job to embellish the teachings of Jesus. It's my job to help you apply the teachings. I never have to go out and search for any new material. I've, had this, I've preached the same old material for years. But the old material is always brand new. I just simply have to help people put the teachings of Jesus to work in their daily life. That's because Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. But let me ask you this question. Do you know why he is the greatest teacher who ever lived? Well, the answer is, it's because he wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a man. Here's our second point. He is also the eternal God. That's the part that we sometimes forget. We remember Jesus as the Son of Man, this man who walked around the world, but we forget that he's the eternal God. Jesus existed in heaven long before he came to this earth. Now, we often say in our creeds, God created the heavens and the earth. But the Bible is a whole lot more specific. It states that it was Jesus who created the heavens and the earth. In our text today, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, Through him he made the universe. John 1, through him all things were made. Without him, that's Jesus, nothing was made that's been made. Colossians 1, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus sustains all things through his powerful word. Not only does he create them, he makes sure that they continue. 
Colossians 1, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, those first four verses again, it says, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. All that's saying is, friends, you see Jesus, you see God. That's a concept that I think a lot of us forget. Jesus is God. I mean, he is more than just a great teacher. He is the eternal God. He existed before he was ever born in Bethlehem, and he lives even after his death on Calvary. Now, as Christians, we, we believe that God is a trinity. We believe that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are equal, all three are separate, but when you put them together, they're just one. That's what we believe. We're going to talk about that more as we get to the core beliefs of what it is we really believe when we talk about the creeds uh, here in a a month or so. The Bible teaches that Jesus existed from from the beginning. Uh, He was not created. After all, he was the creator. He's always been along with the Father and the Spirit. So when we hear the words of Jesus, we're not just hearing the words of a good teacher. We are hearing the teachings of God himself. I mean, if you tell somebody, you know, what do you think about Jesus? And they say he's a good teacher. Oh, no, it's more than that. You're saying if Jesus is a good teacher, he's a great teacher because he's God. So these are really wonderful teachings. I mean, Buddha, they said, was an enlightened individual. But he was only a man. Muhammad was only a man. Confucius was only a man. Jesus is God. I mean, he made that claim, you know, before Abraham was, I am. You wonder why they want to stone him? He says, before Abraham was, I was there, folks. I was it. I was God. I was way back at the beginning. When the Romans put him to death, he came back from the grave. There is not one other religious leader that has done that or who could do that. We are the only people who worship a living God. Everybody else worships dead gods. I don't know what the future is in that. Not much. See, Jesus could do all of that because he's God. Now, as Lutherans, we are somewhat taught to ask the question, what does this mean? Well, what does this mean to us? Yeah, Jesus is the greatest teacher. We ought to be studying what it is that he teaches. He is the eternal God. But the most important thing is our third point, and it's this, that he is also Savior of the world. Savior of the world. Jesus didn't come to earth 2,000 years ago simply to enlighten us, just to teach us. Now, surely he taught us how to live, but he knew that we needed more than just being taught. We needed to be saved. We needed to be saved from our sins. And there's not a person here this morning who doesn't need to be saved from their sins. You know, whether, whether you admit it or not, you need to be saved from your sins. See, when Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, remember John the Baptist I remember in the King James, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the whole world. He's pointing at Jesus. He recognized Jesus as the great teacher. He recognized Jesus as the eternal God. But he recognized Jesus as the Savior of the world. Can you make that same statement? Yeah, Jesus is a great teacher. But he's the eternal God. And he is the Savior of this world. You all know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Or Hebrews 1.3, back in the text again, he provided purification for sins, or when he, after he'd provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In my daily Bible study, I have a book that's called uh, Daily Prayer. And in addition to reading from the Psalms and the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's also got some interesting historical writings. And this last week, I think it was Wednesday, was the Feast of St. Jerome. I don't know if you know who St. Jerome was. Uh, he's an early church father. I think he lived back in the four or 500s, I'm not sure. But he translated early Greek manuscripts into Latin. Uh, it's where the Catholic Church got their version of the Bible, the Vulgate. Now, he lived in Bethlehem, and he chose to live in Bethlehem because he wanted to live in the town where Jesus was born. One night, Jerome had a dream, and in this dream, Jesus visited him. In the dream, Jerome very quickly went and gathered all of his money together and offered it to Jesus. But Jesus said, I don't want your money. So Jerome went around and gathered all of his possessions together and, and offered them to Jesus. And Jesus said, I don't want your possessions either. And in his dream, Jerome looked at Jesus and looked into his eyes and said, Then Jesus, what can I give you? And Jesus said, Give me your sin. That's what I came for. I came to take away your sin. See, we may want to live by the teachings of Jesus, but all of us have a problem that needs to be addressed, and that problem is spelled S-I-N. And the middle letter of sin is what? I. I am the problem. We all suffer from I disease. I can do this. I can do that. I can be a teacher. I can do all this. I, 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 I. We can't. Our sins do nothing but create a gap between us and God. And Jesus came into this world with the cross to do what? Bridge that great divide. Hebrews said his death on the cross brought purification for our sins. It rained like crazy this morning. And some of you walked through it. You got a little cleaner than you were when you left the house but you're still not pure. I don't care whether you used ivory soap, you're still not pure. 99 and what, 40, well, you got 56, 100 of, of stink, which makes you not pure. Our sins can only be removed through the blood of Jesus Christ. The cross provided purification for our sins. Our guilt can be removed forever. Our sins can be removed forever. We can live with a clean conscience forever, and Jesus frees everybody whose lives are held in slavery and fear. Now, if Jesus is only a good teacher, he would not be able to do that. Throughout history, many have tried to teach the way. Many of people have tried to lead the way, but we know that Jesus is the way. He came into the world not only to be our teacher, he also came to be our Savior. Let me take you back to one more story in the Bible. One evening, on the night before Jesus died, he was alone in an upper room with his disciples. And Jesus got up and put a towel around his waist, got a basin of water, 
and began to wash the disciples' feet and to dry them with that towel. You may remember that when he got to Peter, Peter said, Oh, no, not me. you're not going to wash my feet. You're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter's response was, Then wash not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Friends, our relationship with Jesus begins with being washed by him. Whether you want to think about that at the time of your baptism or whenever you came to know Jesus later in life, your life begins when you're washed by him, you're cleansed of your sin, through him you receive forgiveness. I always ask myself a few questions before I ever put together a message. I always ask myself, what is it I want people to know? And what is it I'd like to have people to do, and how could I convince them to do it? Well, I hope and I pray and I sincerely desire that today's message inspires you to follow the teachings of Jesus, to read them and to study them and to live by them and to share them with as many people as you possibly can. But most of all, most of all today, if I could convince you of anything, it would be to look at Jesus, the greatest teacher in the world, the eternal God, the Savior of this world, and simply say like Peter said, wash me, Lord, be my Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Jesus, who is the eternal God. Jesus, who is the greatest teacher. Jesus, who is the Savior of this world. We thank you for sending him to draw us into your family. In Jesus' name, amen.